Hey guys, today on the show we have Mike Wolf, uh, current head baseball coach at Buckeye High School, and he's going to talk about, obviously, baseball and the slow-pitch softball days. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bases Loaded Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Kennedy, and today I've got Mike Wolf on the podcast today. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Gabe. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. Excited to talk a little bit of baseball. So uh, let's start off with uh, how old are you and what do you do? I'm 61 years old, and I'm the head baseball coach at Buckeye High School in Medina County. All right. How long have you been there at, uh, at Buckeye? Um, just we're just finishing up my second year at Buckeye, and prior to that, I had coached at uh, Hillsdale High School in Ashland County for uh, 20 years. Okay, so yeah, you guys had some really good, uh, really good teams there. So how's you know this whole coronavirus thing is screwing everybody's you know spring up and everything? Um, how's it going for you guys as far as uh, baseball? Do you guys have plans to do uh, for some of your kids to get in some some summer league tournaments, or what's going on with that? Well, right now, when you start talking about summer plans, we're still waiting to get guidance from the state in regards to what's going to be opened up moving forward. And for our kids in that that 16, 17, 18-year-old age group, the availability of fields is going to be a huge factor. Um, I also coach a 17U summer team called the Diamond Boys out of Hudson, Ohio. And we're we're kind of in the same situation there. We're waiting to see what uh, what fields will be available for us moving forward this summer. Yeah, there's a ton of wait and see. I saw uh, all the you know news come out about you know restrictions and stuff like that when things open back up and people are complaining. But it's it's a tough situation for everybody. But uh, so you know, let let's get right after it, man. What are some memories you had playing baseball as a kid? I know you're a big time uh, baseball guy. See you see you at the clinic and. Half the time, I, I used to think maybe you're going to be the next one up speaking. But uh, what are some what are some old school memories you got of playing ball as a kid? Well, I grew up in a little town called Jeromesville, um, and I was fortunate enough to grow up in a time when you got up in the morning and you left your house and hung out with your buddies all day, and the only time you came home maybe was for lunch or you had lunch at a, at a friend's house, and then when it got dark, you came home. And for us growing up in Jerome, so we'd get up in the morning and we'd go play wiffle ball all day. It wasn't organized sports like you have now. Every Everything now is kind of organized in all the other sports. But we played a lot of wiffle ball and we kept stats and we had T-shirts that we made up with our favorite players. And so we had a lot of fun growing up in those times. And that was, that was uh, baseball for us in the summer i love it man it, it's one of those things where uh you, you know as you get older i know especially with me um you look forward to you know eating dinner but as a kid that's the last thing you want to do is have anything take you away from playing ball or whatever it is outside with your buddies um so i can you know i feel like most people can pretty much relate to that so who were you if you had your your favorite player who who did you try to you know your batting stance who were you well, we had 
back then the a the a's were in their heyday the oakland a's back when you had vita blue and blue moon Odom. i actually had a blue moon Odom t-shirt i made up because we we loved the oakland a's back then the battling a's charlie finley so but i was I, I was a big fan of baseball and i was able to emulate a lot of different stances and i could show <laughs> you the different i could show you you know joe morgan and uh, guys like that pete rose all those guys in that era, I, I could replicate their stances. And then, of course, there were a lot of really good pitchers back then, and they all had their pitching quirks. And so I, I became a fan of the different pitching styles, and I could replicate those. I was, certainly wasn't as talented as those guys, but I could mimic them at least. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so who are some, some big-time influences um, on your life as far as baseball and, and just life in general? Well, I was very fortunate. My, my first coaching opportunity was given to me by a guy named Jess Hammond, who actually was my junior high science teacher. And um, he asked me, to, when he became head coach at Hillsdale, he asked me to be on, on his staff. And I was his varsity assistant for five years. And then he retired. And our head football coach, Tom Williams, became our varsity baseball coach and he asked me to be his JV coach. So I was his JV coach for two years. So those guys were, were a big influence for me early on. And then as, as I went along in my coaching career, I was able to be exposed to a lot of really good baseball coaches. And um, the cool thing about baseball coaches is they're never afraid to sh not share ideas and thoughts and strategies, whether it's practice situations or game situations. So, I, I just kind of picked up as I went along where, wherever I thought something would benefit me and our program and our kids. Yeah, that is very true, man. You talk about, um, obviously, you know, you, you've coached football before, correct? Yes, I coached football. I actually was able to coach football for Coach Williams for 15 years, which was really fun. Yeah, obviously the sports are, are way different. But as you said, with the baseball community, I feel like people are very – uh, very much wanting to help out more. Um, there, there's really no secrets with baseball. Um, if you know what type of pitches the pitcher throws, he's still got he's still got to locate. Um, if you know the guy's stealing, you still got to, you know, be able to try to hold him close to first base. Whatever it is, uh, football. There's so many secrets with um, all the different signals and counters and just everything with the route running and everything else. But um, football definitely is more of a, a hush hush with spreading your knowledge where baseball is, is so much different. That's what's great about it. You go to the clinic and, uh, you, you know, these guys are giving people, um, you know, their emails and everything. And, and, hey, I'll share all the slides with you, all the drills, everything else. Um, it's just an absolute different game. But um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, softball because I know there's been a big push lately um, with, you know, Cyclops, the revival and all that stuff. Um, you know, I just had uh, a Buck Workman on the other day. Obviously, he's a, a living legend, and I'm talking to another one here. So talk to us a little bit about your softball days. Well, I graduated from high school and uh, went right into the real world uh, at General Motors over in Ontario and was looking for something to do to still stay, stay active because I had played baseball and football and wrestled in high school. I wanted to find something to do. And I was fortunate enough to hook up uh, with a gentleman named Dick Flick, who was a, who's a Hall of Fame manager at that time. And he kind of showed me the way through 
to get started in, in slow pitch softball. And that was clear back in 1980, which is during the days the dinosaurs roamed the earth. But anyway, <laughs> um, and it just, it just took off from there. And uh, so I was, as time went on, got exposed to a lot of really good softball players, a lot of good managers, a lot of good sponsors, and uh, was fortunate enough to be able to place slow pitch softball back in its heyday when Cyclops Circle was a mecca for slow pitch players all over Ohio. Sure. Um, so you guys were traveling all over the place, right? Yeah, we were. We uh, we played we played as far west as Colorado. Um, we as far south as Florida. Um, we went into some northern states: New York, Pennsylvania, um, Michigan, Indiana, places like that. Yeah, we we traveled we traveled quite a bit over the course of our our time playing the game. So, who was one of the best softball players? Uh, you've ever either played with or against because I've heard so many stories of you know just absolute studs who would you if you could name one or two who would you say were, were freaks on the softball diamond well first guy that comes to mind for me was a was a gentleman out of Mount Vernon named Cliff Carpenter Cliff was about six foot three 225 230 pounds he was a four-year starter linebacker at Bowling Green so he was a dude and he played at a national level the best teams in the country and um but during the week he needed somewhere to play so he he came to Mansfield which at that time was the best competitive softball around and uh would play during the week in Mansfield and on the weekends he'd go play with his big time teams and then towards the latter part of his career he um quit traveling with those teams and so he we were fortunate enough to have him on our roster a couple of years and course we played against him a couple of years but Cliff, Cliff Cliff is the one guy that I think in the area played at the best level possible and and was one of the best players at that level so that's that's the one dude that comes to mind more than any other for me but I was I was blessed to play with so many great players and I I, I hate to start into trying to name name them because I, I would leave somebody out there were just so many great softball players and and more importantly they were great guys guys that are still my friends today which is really cool part of playing slow pitch all those years that is good stuff uh do you miss playing um i missed i missed the camaraderie like i said you know the the, the friendships that you develop over the years you know uh, one of my good friends and another great softball player junior chin and i were just having a conversation the other day and and, and i don't know if it's because of our age or, or what have you trying to remember some of the tournaments and where we finished and all that stuff is kind of blurred over the years but what we do remember distinctly is all the good times and friendships that developed over those years so yeah i, I miss that part of it but a lot of those people are still in my life today which is i'm certainly blessed in that area so do the uh, do the stats get a little bit larger as you as you age? <laughs> that's that's funny you say that because <laughs> when you're talking about Bach Workman and Tito Workman and uh, Eric Workman, their father, I actually played a little bit with, but mostly against Al. And Al's saying was, "We're all 600 hitters 
in the car on the way over. And what he meant was we're all we're all really really good in the car on the way to the game, but the game had a way of of, of sorting that out once you started playing. Yeah, most definitely. There there's an absolute strategy to playing uh, slow pitch softball. So I always respected. I, I didn't play for very long, but I always respected those guys that um, you, you know they kind of show up and they look like nice guys and they would beat the snot out of us young bucks, no doubt about it. Um, so back to uh, back to baseball, um, you know, are there any specific games, either, you know, your playing career or coaching career that uh, you wish that you had back? I feel like most people, you know, there's always instances where, um, you know, maybe you, you sent a runner and, and you debated about it, or maybe you put in a pitcher and uh, you should have stuck with a guy a little bit longer. But was there any specific games, uh, situations that you wish you had back? Um, that's a great question. Early on, when when in like 2009, 2010, um, we had a couple really really good teams. Um, they were top ten state ranked teams, but every year we had to go through Canton Central Catholic in the district. And Canton Central Catholic has won multiple state titles. Obviously, Coach Miller is one of the winningest coaches in Ohio history, if not the winningest coach in Ohio history, he's right up there now. Anyway, but um, in 09, we're playing them, and they had a kid pitching. I think the kid's name was Taylor Baker. He ended up being the winning pitcher in the sectional, district, regional, and state championship game. So he was a dude. And we've got him – we've got him on the ropes. And – it's 5-3, I've got two runners on, I got my cleanup hitter up, Tyler Klein, and he hits a bomb down the line, and at the last minute, it goes foul, and we end up losing. Uh, five. I, I think we lose 5-3, and that would have been a 6-5 win. Well, they go on that year, of course, and win the, win the state championship, and um, that was one that stands out for sure, just – you know, we always talk about baseball being a game of inches. Well, that was certainly one of those games. <laughs> so with with a game that, you know, if, if one of those games or if that game goes the other way and you win that, is that something, you know, when you win those tough games, do you sit there, you know, and you think, man, I'm so happy we won? Or is it more of a relief and then on to the next one? Because I feel like losing is as much as we tell kids, hey, you know, get over it, maybe a 24-hour rule, whatever it is you still replay in your mind things that could have went this way or that way. But as far as winning, I, I feel like you could argue either way. It's kind of a relief. Oh, thank God we got past them and they move on. Or that's something you always kind of smile back and, and look at those, those big time wins. Where, where do you stand on that? Well, I think baseball is different than any other game because baseball is a game of failure. I mean, even you're, you know, if, if you're successful three out of 10 times, you're, you're a stud. And I don't know of any other sport that's like that. We were, we've been blessed at Hillsdale, and I actually had this gentleman come up and speak to my Buckeye kids. There's a doctor of psychology at Ashland University, Dr. Kurt Ickes, who, is a, who has written several books on sports psychology. And he comes in and works with our kids and preaches the mental game, which is so huge in, in this sport, and about how to play the game, you know, pitch by pitch, and you're, and you're always playing arrows out instead of arrows in. And as a coach, you try to carry that same philosophy as well. 
you know, if, if, if you sit around and, and, and relive things, it, it'll just eat you up. You know, you, you, in this game, you just, you just, you take it one pitch at a time and you move on you move forward. Always try to stay positive with your kids. Try, try to live what you preach. And, um, I think it's made a huge difference in some of our teams that, that, that psychology. So what are some of the best memories of softball? And I know, you know, as you said, there's just hanging out with the people and getting to know the people and, and continuing relationships to this day. Uh, but what are some of the best memories, uh, maybe big-time wins, maybe big-time performances um, on the softball field or baseball field for you? Well, baseball-wise, you know, when I when I t- taken over the program at Hillsdale, Hillsdale hadn't had a lot of success in baseball. They had one Wayne County League title. Um, I took over in 2006. They had one Wayne County League title since 1971. And I was very blessed to, to have a group of kids come in um, that second, third year that were extremely talented, um, great parents. They had worked hard. And as they came, you know, they all came in as freshmen. And by the time they were sophomores, you know, they, they were starting to win games. So we went from six wins to nine wins to 19 wins. And then that next year, that group, um, that 2009 group won the Wayne County League title, which was the first one that Hillsdale had only the second one ever. And then they followed that up with another title in 2010. But for that group of kids to come in and change the program around and the, the way the community got behind that success, which was kind of, we'd always been second fiddle to girls softball, who's won eight state titles. And so we kind of tapped into that enthusiasm and their work ethic and, and to see that success was, was really, really gratifying. Great group of kids. Man, I, I, I still, you know, part of the cool thing for me as a coach is getting to see those those people as, as young men now. You know, they're, they're getting married and their careers are taking off and, and they're contributing in the, in the community, which is really cool. So back to, uh, you mentioned 2010. Um, you guys were extremely loaded, right? Yeah, we, we were, uh, that team went 20, that team went 24 and three. And um, unfortunately, we were upset in the uh, sectional final. We were ranked fourth in the state coming into that that tournament, but we had some we had some unfortunate luck that year. So that's that was a that was a huge. If you want to talk about things that that are disappointing, that was one of our dis, most disappointing endings for sure. Did you guys happen to play Clear Fork that year, or was that a rainout? Oh, that's a great question. I, I don't know. You know, what what's interesting is that group of that group of kids, a lot of those kids played with Rusty in the uh played on Rusty's teams. You know, they played with Joe and that group all played together. So Rusty had had uh done a great job in, in, in building the fundamentals into that group of kids that, that ended up playing at Hillsdale. I don't remember though if we played Clear Fork that year or not. It's a great yeah. question. I was going to say, because obviously that year um, they were loaded as well. And it's one of those things where, especially when you're, uh, you know, both, both, you know, great kids, great players, you know, good schools. And it's one of those things where you love to see like a three game series. 
you know what? Uh, you know, back to back to back games and, and kind of hash it out and see see who wins the rubber match there if it goes one to one there. Um, what uh, what advice would you give a first year head baseball coach? I think that's a great question because um, it kind of makes you think about things that maybe you didn't realize until a couple years into it, or maybe even things that you've realized recently that you wish you would have known back then. But uh, what's some advice you'd give a, a person that takes over a job for the first time? That's a great question. I, I think, I think my, you know, when I when I went to Buckeye, I inherited, you know, I had to build a, a staff up there of, of people that I had never been familiar with, and I think my biggest advice to them and would be to any other young coach is, um, you can never get kids to care until they know that you care. You know, um, I think it's there's a lot of different ways to do, you know, to do things. I always say, if I tell you to go to Mansfield from Belleville, some people may go one way, some people may go another way, but they're all going to end up in Belleville or in Mansfield. So everybody's got to chart their own way of doing things from a baseball standpoint, what you think is important, what's not. But the biggest thing is your kids got to know you care. You know, you, you got to be genuine in that area, you know, that, that you care about them as individuals as people, you know, not just baseball players. And um, we preach that in, in our program, you know, family, family, family. And it takes time to, you know, to get young men to trust you. But um, if you're genuine and passionate and you care, they'll, they'll buy in. Absolutely. Well said. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, trial and error and, and try to give it everything you got and see how it works out and try to, Try to do the right thing by the kids, but uh, so let's talk a little bit about football here. What, uh, what, what you were you an offense or defensive guy for football? I coached the uh, wide receivers and the in the deep DBs at Hillsdale. Nice. Did you ever think about uh, being the head coach? No, no. I was I, I, I was a baseball guy all the way. I was extremely blessed that Tom, Coach Williams, put me on his staff, and you know I got kind of a late start there, obviously. In, in football, but I, I was, you know, that was another program that um, when Tom took over, Hillsdale was one of the worst football programs in, in the state of Ohio by far. And now I think um, Hillsdale is a perennial playoff qualifying team. Tom's won a couple state titles and he's actually going in the Ashton County Hall of Fame this year, deservedly so. So I was extremely fortunate to be on that staff and be with all those coaches learning the game of football as we went so you're coaching receivers and db so is it one of those things where in practice you know a kid keeps screwing up and not really listening and do you like you know throw the clipboard down and you get out there and you you man them up a little bump and run as a db or what you try to shut them down a little bit no not me i'm way past <laughs> that i'm way 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 past that i mean back in the we, day did you do that back in the day um way back in the day early <laughs> early on maybe <laughs> uh what uh we talked a little bit about this um on on our pre-pod meeting and by the way i always tell people the pre-podcast the the off the air podcast uh or i should say interview is is the best for me because i really get to dive in and 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 you know be a sponge i guess and and jot some stuff down but um what is the best equipment purchased uh by you or, or one of your teams because i think that's one of those things where, you know, not everybody's got a, a ton of money or, or 
great ideas for fundraising to, to raise money for the programs. But obviously equipment is huge. Most sports are trying to upgrade, you know, on a yearly basis. But what, what are some things or one thing uh, that you have done that's been kind of a game changer for you or your program? Um, it's actually not a piece of equipment, but the thing that changed, I, I think, was one of the most inter- instrumental things that, that we did at Hillsdale. And it took us it took us a number of years to make it actually come to fruition. It was early on in my career. Um, we're playing down at um, oh shoot, it, it escapes me now. It's it's anyway. We're we're playing at the school and they have an outdoor batting cage. And I thought, man, that that's so cool. You know, the batting cage had a roof over it, and you know. I thought, man, what a difference that would make in a program if your kids could hit all the time. And so um, kept trying to make that happen at Hillsdale. And finally, we found a group of people that believed in that vision. And we were able to put in a uh, a two-tunnel batting cage under roof, enclosed, turfed it, had a batting machine in it. And we made that available to anybody in the community, whether it was a six-year-old with his grand son grandfather or a a summer team what have you male female whatever so the fact that our kids in our community could come in and hit anytime they want just was a game changer for both not just baseball but softball and i think the one thing that the hillsdale teams were always known for was the ability to hit and i think that was that was a huge factor in that because no matter when and what type of weather our kids were able to get get swings in and you drive by Sunday morning Saturday evening and you'd have kids in there hitting which was really cool yeah absolutely yeah you, you guys your, your teams always were, were were tough outs when they're at the plate what uh so what is something that um you know if somebody came to you and said hey man what what's one thing that would really help your program now um obviously within reason uh, you know, expense-wise, but what, what's something that you you could see being a game changer for your program now? Well, you always have the, you know, it's your basic nets and that, and tees and that kind of stuff. I think every program has that. But I've been fortunate enough to be start being involved in a uh, called Diamond Boys out of Hudson, Ohio, and they have a piece of equipment up there called Hit Tracks. And it's not an inexpensive piece of equipment. I think a hit track system is around $20,000. But what it gives you in measurable metrics for not just your pitchers, you know, spin rate, velocity, so on and so forth, your hitters that can track bat speed, exit velocity, um, launch angle, so on and so forth is, is, is really, really cool. And then you, it also gives you the ability. I mean, you can literally register every swing that your kid takes on an individual basis over the course of an entire practice season. And so that gives you the ability to check your metrics and see then what adjustments or training methods are successful and what's, you know, what aren't so beneficial. And to me, that's, that's just huge. Um, if you're trying to improve individually or as a, as a program. Absolutely. Um, who is, who's Mike Wolf outside of uh, the game of baseball? How would people describe uh, what type of person you are? 
That's a great question. I, I mean, I hope they, I hope they would describe me as somebody that's loyal and uh, honest and faithful. I have, I've been blessed enough to have five kids. I have seven grandkids. And so I would hope they would say he's a family man. And, you know, I'd hope my players, um, maybe sometimes we, we butted heads on some things, but they, they always knew that I, that, that I cared about them as, as, as not just baseball players, but as, as people. Do you have any hidden talents? <laughs> I love how you're thinking of a couple. You're like, ah, that's kind of weird. You know, I can do a ton of jumping jacks in less than a minute. That, that's cool, but kind of weird. You got anything that you want to share with us? No, I have no hidden talents. What you see, <laughs> what you see is what you get, Gabe. Well, I didn't know. You know, if you worked at General Motors, I, you know, I've heard some rumors there that, uh, you know, people can take naps while they're working back in the day. I didn't know if you could sleep on command. No, uh, I think that, that's a that's a misnomer for the most part. The people at General Motors work extremely hard at what Absolutely. they do. Yeah. Absolutely. By the way, have you have you driven past uh, GM lately? That that is a shame to see, man. Yeah, it's hard to drive by there when you think when you know you think of the number of people that worked there over the years. I was, you know, one time you had close to three thousand people working there, and the amount of lives that were impacted when that facility closed across a multi-county area. Um, it's extremely sad to see. It's just a, you know, everything was torn down and. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's it is extremely sad. Yeah. So so you were driving back and forth to to Parma, correct? Yeah. Once the Mansfield facility closed, um, our workforce, the ones that were fortunate enough to be able to to maintain jobs with GM, were scattered across the country. We had people that had to relocate to Texas and out to Missouri and, and wherever there was a facility that that could accept them. I was blessed enough that I had enough seniority to be able to just go up the road to Parma. But, um, so I commuted up there for eight years. Was that pretty difficult trying to coach? Wasn't easy. I mean, I worked third shift, which was the only way I could do both. So you get off work at uh, 630 in the morning and you got about an hour, hour and 15 minute commute home and you try to unwind enough to go to sleep. And then about, 11 o'clock your phone starts ringing from your ad with something and parents calling you kids texting you so on and so forth so it was it, it wasn't it wasn't the best of circumstances but we made do we made it work good deal i'll tell you what coach wolf i really appreciate you coming on the podcast man thanks for thanks for sharing some uh some softball and baseball and, and general motors commute knowledge with us all well gabe i appreciate you having me and uh I'm sure I can speak for the rest of the people who've been on your podcast. We appreciate what you're doing, which is bringing attention to the sport of baseball, which is certainly undergoing one of the most difficult times in its history. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it gets started up soon. And, you know, as far as professional baseball goes, I don't really care if there's, you know, fans in the stands or not, man. I just, I want to turn the TV on and see a, a 2020, uh, you know, baseball game on and not watch these replays and, we we need it, man. We need sports. We need live sports back in our lives. I agree with you 100%. All right. Thanks a lot, Coach. We'll see you, buddy. All right, man. Thank you. You take care. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of the Bases Loaded podcast. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bases Podcast.